Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Read podcast right here on the Barroom Network on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to follow the Barroom Network and be sure to check out all our past shows. We're doing a audio only podcast today. You can follow us on Twitter at 311Mac for me and at Ross Reed for Ross and follow us at Instagram too there if you like. How are you, Ross? What's going on? I am swell how are you also swell i like the use of swell swell is a good one we need to bring swell back we got to bring swell back maybe the rappers will start doing it <laughs> maybe chance chance the rapper would drop that in, in some sort of lyric i think <laughs> That's right. we have a lot to get to on the podcast today bears players still getting arrested baker mayfield on the move aaron Rodgers getting tattoos of god knows what uh, joey chestnut the goat in on the mount rushmore of athletes perhaps and then to round it all out, we're giving our top five Marvel movies ahead of Thor, Love, and Thunder. Uh, and we say goodbye to a, uh, a movie icon, too. A very unfortunate uh, cherry on top for today. But to begin, uh, there's not really much Bears news. But, of course, this is so just fucking Bears, it feels like, Ross. This is the third player of the Bears to get arrested so far this season. I couldn't believe it when I read that, just circulating through Twitter, looking for any stories, really. But David Moore, the wide receiver, uh, again, third time a Bears player, has been arrested this offseason. This this time, David Moore on drugs and weapon charges. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you make of that? Is this uh, this an Eberflus problem? Is this a Ryan Poles problem? Is it just just knuckleheads and not having enough structure? I don't get it, Ross. Yeah, I mean, at least it's bottom of the ball. Bottom of the roster guys, right? At least it's not, not Justin Fields, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, Pringle is going to be, you know, seeing, you know, extensive time this year at the wide receiver position for the Bears. But you know, David Moore was a probably a fringe five six wide receiver. Um, you know, he came from Seattle. Um, you know, was 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 certainly not a lock to make the roster. I'm pretty sure now they're just going to end up releasing him at this point. But yeah. um, the details, he it sounded like he was high. He had a gun in the car. And fell asleep in the drive-through of a Taco Bell. Oh my lord! <laughs> yeah. Sounds David. like my sounds like my Friday night. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to fall asleep after you eat the Taco Bell, not before you eat it. Yeah, dude, you peak um, too soon. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's <laughs> it's unfortunate. I you know, it's it's a somewhat of a reflection on Ryan Poles right now because he's the one that who brings mm-hmm. these guys in, and you know, Poles comes from. Uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs who, you know, listen, they brought in guys like Tyreek Hill and Frank Clark and you know, guys who have had some checkered, you know, backgrounds before. And a lot of times, you know, in the NFL, you know, we'll say if, if the talent um, is is superior, then you can kind of look past some of these mistakes. But these guys aren't that good. So um, it's, it's not a red flag right now, but it's a yellow-ish flag. And, right. you know, kind of like you said, it's important – Justin Fields is doesn't get in trouble. He looks phenomenal. We see more and more pictures of him every day now. He looks jacked. He looks amazing. He's got uh, these these amazing twists in his hair right now. I saw a picture of him today with uh, C.J. Stroud, quarterback for Ohio State, and uh, Chad Ochocinco. They were working out together in Texas. Uh-huh. So he looks great. As long as Justin keeps looking great, and Roquan, I saw a picture of him, you know, shirt open on the boat. That's fine as well. Just, just – Keep the core guys uh, out of out of the police blotter, and the David Moores of the world can can you know just eventually piss off, right? You, you were talking about it. I'm fine with the low level free agent signings getting in trouble like this. It's unusual, I'll say that. With not one, not two, but three guys, just seems like a trend. But again, it's not any of the 22 projected starters. I couldn't give a shit. Like David Moore, go get your rocks off at Taco Bell in Texas, and in Texas you get a pa- you get a pass for that anyways i feel like you know you they, you drive an open container you're good there uh maybe not the the the, the marijuana or whatever they're, they're not so lenient about that more more so on uh, on the drinking and driving but um yeah i mean that that was not very surprising i feel like with with uh david moore but what is surprising is 
on another note is this push, of course, and you knew it was coming. We haven't really talked about this much on the show, Ross and podcast, but how Lori Lightfoot working with, you know, this, this group basically that's trying to save the bears at soldier field. Obviously that's huge for the Chicago economy. It's huge for the city as a whole. There's there, it's pretty divided as far as people are like good Go to Arlington Heights and you'll have a state-of-the-art stadium. You'll be like Wrigleyville 2.0. You'll have a sports book, a hotel, the whole kit and caboodle. And then that's another phrase we should bring back. And then and then in Soldier Field, Lori's making this push. It's the lakefront. They would move north of the island, kind of just north on the north lawn of the stadium. Uh, they put some sort of bridge over to Northerly Island, Island on that east side. And there's all sorts of fun renderings if you go online to see what we're talking about. But it, it's it's like a lot of people are saying. It seems a little late where they've signed the purchase agreement. Like, what are you trying to prove at this point? That you still want the Bears? You just send, you, Because Lori just, this is kind of just, we don't need to talk about her legacy. But she kind of flip-flops on things like this, too, where she said earlier when they signed that purchase agreement or were very close, she said, good luck good luck <laughs> in a very sarcastic way. And yet here we are. Do you think there's a chance that this does anything that the bears stay at soldier field for the, in the foreseeable future? Yeah. And there's a lot of fact, there's a lot of, uh, of, of layers to this story. The first one is whatever is going on in soldier field with that rendering is going to happen regardless of whether the bears are going to stay there or not, because even still, if the bears leave that area, that's still a hot area for concerts, right? We've got a concert this summer coming up with the weekend yeah. and and snow Allegra. You'll always see those kind of huge concerts show up at a, at a venue that can seat 60,000 people on the lakefront. Okay. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. The second thing is, um, you know, teams like Notre Dame and other Big Ten teams that now have 30 teams now are, are still going to be a draw to, to have some of their, their football games um, at Soldier Field. You know, especially now if the Bears are going to be leaving that area, uh, you don't have to worry about mucking up the field on a Saturday and then getting it ready for a Sunday. Right. So there's still going to be a draw with that. Chicago, again, it, it's you know tons of lodging within the area. People want to be in Chicago all times of the year. Um, people want to see sporting events within the city of Chicago. And then also Chicago Fire can also play um, a lot more games there as well. So there, there's, I, I think that the, the renovations to that area are going to happen regardless of what the Bears decide. Now, with the Bears, to me, Arlington Heights, I think a lot of people aren't really discussing this enough. It comes down to money and it comes down to how much of the McCaskey is willing to pump in for a brand new stadium, right? You look at the last couple of stadiums that were built in the NFL over the years. Um, SoFi is, is probably uh, the latest one, right? That was $5 billion stadium, all paid for it out of pocket from the, um, from the Chargers and the Rams owners, right? No private dollars. Uh, I mean, all private dollars, no public funding whatsoever. Then you look at Las Vegas, right? Las Vegas not doesn't cost $5 million. It costs about a little bit under $2 billion. But of that money, about $850 uh, you know, million came from public dollars. So this becomes a political game. Right now, the newest stadium that will be built will be in Buffalo. Um, New York uh, put a ton of money into building that stadium for them. And residents got super pissed off that their taxes went up. Yeah. J.B. Pritzker is running for re-election very soon. Is he willing to commit to a high-level tax uh, for Illinois residents coming out of a pandemic and other issues and stuff like that when he's trying to run for election for re-election and do other things, right? All of a sudden, you know, $850 million is not a guarantee from the state of Illinois. We know that the NFL will probably kick in some money, but they're probably not going to kick in any more than about $100 million or so, Right. And then that means that the Bears and McCaskies, most importantly, have to come up with the majority of that money to fund Arlington Heights. And that's where I get skeptical if that's something that they are able and willing to do. Is that family willing to cough up $700 million, for example, to build a stadium in Arlington Heights? And that's where it's like that remains to be seen, in my opinion, because if they can't get public dollars from, from J.B. Pritzker and Illinois, they're in deep doo-doo, in my opinion, for that stadium in Arlington Heights. Yeah, there's no question there. And the McCaskies, I, I don't want to call them notoriously cheap, but it feels like this is the, this is a seismic thing where you reinvent the franchise going up north like that, and you're doing everything you can to 
pave the way for your your family's future as ownership of the Bears and the and the franchises for that matter too. It, it's curious because there's a lot of moving pieces, as you mentioned, with JB Pritzker running for re-election uh, with with the mayor. Who knows if Lori Lightfoot handled it differently? They made a made have balked at the Arlington Heights deal. Um, and and you brought up a good point. Soldier Field will remain. They're not going to demo Soldier Field um, as it were. But the move to Arlington Heights. It just seems like, again, where is the funding going to come from? And Illinois, it's just, it's it's like uh, as predictable as the weather in February, the taxes are just going to be raised one way or another. Now, whether that gets, whether they help out and the taxes are raised um, to help build this stadium or not remains to be seen. But uh, my, my guess is it would absolutely happen. And it just seems like a foregone conclusion that the bears will move to arlington heights it's just a matter of when um and seeing who else will kick in besides the mccaskey family uh i don't know who else would be on the docket you know a lot of the billionaires who who would be kind of suspect like you could see ken griffin from citadel was moving out maybe he would have kicked in some money something like that but he's he's number one you know he's the richest man in Illinois for a while there and, and one of the richest men in the United States and the world, he wanted to move, move out of Illinois because of the taxes. So you, you got to figure that the big players are kind of hesitant if they have to put up that money. And the McCaskey's got to, got to know too. They see that it's going to take a lot to build out that area uh, from the ground up, like, like uh, SoFi or like any of these new brand new, beautiful stadiums like Buffalo, like you mentioned too. Yeah, absolutely. It comes really difficult. I mean, you know, you look at a, a city like Vegas, that was a slam dunk for them. That stadium is attached to Mandalay Bay. It's right off the strip. It just enhances um, the the entertainment value that is already, the infrastructure for that was already built, right? Literally all you had to do was build a stadium because everything else around it was already in place. And that's kind of the benefit of building uh, within the city limits. When you go out to Arlington, to, you, to what you said, you have to build everything from scratch. That's not only the stadium, that's the, the entertainment center outside. These are restaurants. You have to convince restaurants to, to come in there and, and build and stuff like that. And, and so that's going to take a little bit of time, in my opinion. So I, I think, you know, to put it in football terms, um, we're not even close to midfield right now in terms of where the Bears are going to play at in the near future. There's still yeah. has a lot to be worked out on both sides of things. They haven't even... Um, you know, fully assess the soil yet in Arlington Heights to see, you know, what the ramifications are around building around that. That's going to be coming up, I think, within the next year or so. So, you know, and who knows, Lori Lightfoot might not even be the mayor of Chicago by the time this becomes a real a conversation, right? Because, you know, I, I think that if if a guy like Rahm Emanuel was, was still the mayor of Chicago, I think he would have been able to find a way to keep them in Chicago in, in some capacity. So, you know, it, it, there's still a lot of dialogue to be having. I think that um, I think that Arlington is the leader to to be the next home of the Bears. But if if we found out in the near future that you know somehow the the Bears were able to put enough infrastructure around Soldier Field and it didn't cost the Chicago Bears and McCaskies any money to do so to keep them there, it would not shock me one bit when the Bears were like, you know what, we're going to sign another thirty million, you know, twenty five year lease. And we'll keep Arlington Heights over here, and we might develop something on it, or we might sell it. Because, you know, I, I think people, are, a lot of people, are saying, "Well, they spent two hundred million dollars on that land." It's like, cool. You do know land can be sold again, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's the property gets sold all the time. So, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting how many different scenarios there are too. It's certainly the point that you brought up with Lori Lightfoot. It seems a little late, but it, it doesn't really matter as, as far as what's in the past and, and how, and how a different mayor would have handled it. Cause Lori Lightfoot handled it poorly. And now she's kind of paying for it with the franchise threat to move. But you know, with the ownership, they could pave the way for another NFL team. The NFL is always looking to expand. It would be kind of ridiculous to have two teams in Illinois, but it's not unheard of. I mean, look at New York and what they're doing for sure. But the bears are nowhere close to deciding as far as where they play. Uh, they just have that purchase agreement in place and we can have all these mockings and, and again, it will likely happen at some point because Soldier Field needs a little facelift around uh, the area, and it still needs to be, you know, that that really um, favorite place of the lakefront. It, it needs to be front running there. 
it seems like Ryan Pace is is running the Falcons just like the Bears too, with all these Falcons players going there. There's Demir Bird, there's Jermaine Effetti, Nick Kwiatkowski, Corderell Patterson, Tease Tabor, Elijah Wilkinson, Eddie Goldman just signed there, and now he's got it's Ryan Pace, Phil Emery, Dave Ragone. He's got all these coaches. I I can't wait for the Bears to play the Falcons and and see just this battle of, of sort of mediocrity, but it seems like this new bears regime will come out on top. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, find somebody who, uh, who, who loves mediocre talent again, again, as much as, uh, as much as Ryan Pace does. And don't forget too, he was really high on Marcus Mariota uh, coming out the draft. And, and there was a, a longstanding rumor for a long time that, that Pace even wanted to trade Jay Cutler, who was the bears quarterback at the time for uh, Marcus Mariota. So, um, you know, he, he certainly, when he, when he establishes his types, he will, he will seek them out and go, uh, for them again. And, um, you know, t- to me, this, this, when I look at that Atlanta situation, to me, that only means that they're, they're going to be, uh, significantly worse than the bears. I think they have, uh, probably the worst roster in the league right now. Um, and, and Brian Pace looks to only be enhancing it by picking in, uh, the, the scraps of his former, uh, football team. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Uh, as we shift focus, the Bears, hopefully no more Bears players get arrested, Ross. I don't know if you had any more thoughts on, on them, but Justin no. Fields and and the big dogs seem to be staying out of trouble. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, we got a couple more weeks of training camp. We just have to hurry up and get these guys there. Damn right, man. Uh, shout out to Zach Levine. Sign that max deal, and he will be a bull for the foreseeable future. Uh, they're... Still in the in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. I'm just kidding. They're not getting Kevin Durant. But it's a big piece uh, to be signed by the Bulls. And now we'll we'll see Terry in in the summer league. Uh, hopefully he lights it up like Chet Holmgren. It's uh, looking things are looking up for the Bulls. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, listen, it was important to get Zach Levine back in the fold. I mean, it's you know, I, I think in the NBA a lot of people forget that most um, superstar players. Be, uh, really start to come into their own within that 26, 27, 28 year old range, that range that Zach Levine started to hit right now. I think a lot of people, because they see NBA players come into the league very early, they want them to hurry up and produce right away. It doesn't, just doesn't work that way. Go through the history of the league and see a lot of the superstars in the league that really have their best years. And it's kind of in that, in that mid to late twenties range. And I think that's where Zach is hitting at right now. I think when you see a lot of deals around the league, the Jalen Brunson deal, the, uh, the Bradley Beal Ooh. deal, which is insane. I, I think Zach Levine um, kind of ends up being a little bit of a bargain for the Bulls. I mean, he's a high-profile player. He's a two-time All-Star. He's in, you're in a market. You lead the league in attendance every year. That $40 million contract, especially with the uh, with salary cap going up you know, year after year, it's going to be a bargain. They got a new TV deal coming. There's a long-standing rumor that the league is going to have – um, at least one more team coming in the next couple of years with Las Vegas. Um, and, and, and they might even add two. So the owners get a huge check from that. The Bulls are going to just be, going to be just fine paying Zach Levine. It's now, what can you do with the pieces around him? Um, I was um, very dissatisfied with their free agency this year. I, I think that obviously they were limited uh, with the players that they were able to add on, but I was still you know not too happy with it. But obviously they feel content with, trying to bring the, the, the band back together from last year for the most part. Um, but you got to hope that DeMar DeRozan and, and most importantly, even like a guy like Lonzo Ball can be healthy this year. But I'm excited to see Zach back for sure. Uh, Andre Drummond is one thing. I think he fills somewhat of a need. And and I know Sixers fans were all for him. Nets fans, he was he was averaging a double-double there for a little bit. He really just fills that need that, that Tristan Thompson kind of didn't too, right? On a, on a minimum to... That that seems fine, but the Goran Dragic signing just was a head scratcher for me. It just seemed like a really out of left field. It did. I mean, you, you know, you have so many guards on the team now, especially yeah. point guards. Now you have Lonzo Ball, which you know maybe that's a signal that he's not healthy or, or they're concerned about that. Might knee. be. Yeah. Um, you got Ayo Desumu. You don't want to take minutes from Ayo Desumu, who was awesome last year as, as a second round rookie. Sure. You still have Kobe White. I mean, you're you're he's under contract for you. He's making nine million dollars this year. What are you going to do with him? Are you going to give him? You know, some some player, or are you going to move off from? So they've got a lot of guys at that position. I mean, you know, Drogic is a thirty-five-year-old, you know, guy who who averages less than one point, you know, one three-pointer made a game, 
and you know doesn't really give you much on defense and it's just like it's that to me was a questionable signing and you, know, you see the rumors that you know Vooch really pushed for it. it's like cool I don't fucking need Vooch to like it, like not the fucking GM yeah get him out of here not. like <laughs> I don't need him you that you needed more you know you needed guys more on your wing you needed wing defenders you needed younger guys who can shoot three pointers and and you know there were guys out there that that could have done that for you the, a thirty five year old Goran Dragic doesn't really do much for me same thing with Andre Drummond Andre Drummond can't really move anymore. He can get rebounds. But he doesn't rim protect. He, he gave up over 60% field goal percentage at the rim last year. Um, you know, he doesn't really give you much on offense anymore. Um, if it's not putbacks or, or lobs, he's just a, he's just a taller Tristan Thompson to me. So, you know, that's what those two moves in particular were, were very puzzling for me. Um, there were other guys that, that I wanted, like a Jalen Smith with a little bit more upside. Um, I would have took a flyer on TJ Warren who, you know, hasn't played sure. really since the bubble. But when that guy was was on, he was a walking bucket. He was over 19 points a game. He fit a need for you. Now he's going to Brooklyn. So it's going to be interesting to see. I still think there's another trade that needs to be made because um, I can't see Kobe White being in this rotation if they have Goran Dragic and, and Lonzo Ball and Ayo DeSumo. So I think maybe they might, you know, look to, to flip him. I think, like, like, San Antonio, who's trying to tank right now, but they just traded their all-star point guard. They don't have a point guard right now. I think like a, a, a Jacob Portal for Kobe White deal could make a lot of sense for both sides. So, you know, we'll see what, you know, I think a lot of people right now are holding pattern until Kevin Durant figures out what the hell he wants to do, or most importantly, what the Nets figure out what they want to do with Kevin Durant. Yeah, you bring up my next point, and Kevin Durant, that the sweepstakes for him just coming out uh, just days ago saying he wanted to be traded from the Nets at this point, and people immediately, you know, odds makers at Vegas were going nuts. The Bulls were in the top four, but it looked like it came down to Phoenix and Miami, and then you never know who will come out of left field. Like, Mark Cuban could certainly make a, a push of some sort, but he wants to contend now, and he, he said, too, I think he drew a lot of ire for this, saying he wants to play with other All-Stars, and, you know, that's not surprising for Kevin Durant, and when... LeBron already, you know, broke that glass ceiling, so to speak, and broke the mold of guys built versus bought type of thing. Like, no one gives a shit anymore. It's just the league. Certain times you're going to see a more complete team, and other times you're going to see Durant play with Russell Westbrook and play with whoever else and James Harden, see him with Kyrie and Harden. Like, that's it's the new thing. It's the era of the big three. I It, it definitely seems like of those three teams, Phoenix and... Uh, Dallas and the Heat, that they would certainly be up there. I don't know what kind of package it would take. It would take. That's also why I said the Bulls should just stay steer clear of that. Although he is a, a transcendent talent, obviously one of the best players, probably top twenty of all time when you look at it now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe top ten if he, if he continues and gets some more rings on on this run that he is. He's a freak of nature at seven feet who can shoot well and and can go baseline to baseline like he has if if he remains healthy. I I don't I don't see obviously where he's going to land, but it's going to take something insane, some sort of push, and I, I can't imagine what that package is going to look like for wherever he lands up. Yeah, and even going back to a point that you just made, I, I actually think that the league is trending away from the super teams right now because I don't think that you know, a lot of these basketball teams are willing to trade all this draft capital and gut their rosters for two or three guys. It's just not really working out like you thought it was. Look at the Lakers situation, how many picks they traded for Anthony Davis, and they gave up the Brandon Ingrams of the world, and they gave up the Lonzo Balls, and yeah, they got a championship. It was a bubble championship, so it's kind of it's not going to age well, and now they're just in a catastrophic mess, and LeBron James has your team hostage. You know, um, Jeannie Buss is tweeting on a Sunday night at like 11 o'clock LA time that Kobe was the most loyal Laker and I wish people were like him. That's obviously a subtweet to LeBron, you know, look at the Nets. Like how many picks the Nets gave up to get Harden, Durant and Kyrie there. And now you're in a complete disastrous situation. Whereas you look at your two last two um, NBA championship winners, Golden State Warriors. That is a team that is basically built from the ground up with the infrastructure of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They never left. And Steph Curry never said, I'm going somewhere else, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. He trusted the process. He, they, he allowed them to go through the D'Angelo Russell phase and, and, and eventually 
get Andrew Wiggins, who, by the way, was a signing trade for Kevin Durant. So savvy move there to get back a, a very valuable piece to help you win a championship, right? And you look at the team. Yeah, you look at the team before them. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's he, um, he said, "I'm never leaving Milwaukee. I'll trust you. Build it around me." Right. A lot of that situation is very built and in, in, in not bought. Drew Holiday was a trade, um, but you know Chris Middleton developed underneath their tutelage um, and, and stuff like that. So I think teams are trending that way. If you're, let's say, you're Toronto, right? You can't gut your entire roster for Kevin Durant because, in my opinion, it just doesn't it doesn't make you a, a favorite to win the title, right? Boston is another one. They didn't go to they didn't win the title, but they went to the NBA championship. Tatum, Brown, and Smart are all players that they drafted. So I just think the trend from these super teams are really going away because these teams don't see the the value in it in the short term or the long term. And I like it. I, I think that's where the league needs to be at. Yeah, I, I like to see that better, the, the built versus bought. It goes back and forth, right? We saw the Lakers in the bubble, saw Anthony Davis and LeBron win one, and then you go ahead and you see Milwaukee and how they, they bred Giannis. They built a good team around him. You see it with the Warriors. I'm all for that. And it's like you said, the risk you have with Kevin Durant, he's getting up there. Yeah, he's a great player, but he's also kind of a hostile personality like that. You give up a lot, and you put yourself in the position – potentially to win right away if you keep your role players but it also comes back to him is he going to take less money is he going to be that that commanding presence is he going to be that guy who will, who will take you there and with Miami those packages and Phoenix all sorts of different packages that just didn't seem to make a lot of sense I think Miami certainly makes that push with Pat Riley what did they give up I, I mean is Jimmy Butler gone at that point and and guys like Tyler Hero and whoever else you try to give up Bam Adebayo like right there if that's the trade then is it worth it for the heat it, it doesn't look like it to me but he's got to go somewhere if he's requesting this trade yeah or maybe the Nets call bluff right maybe they say hey look you're oh, on the bullshit. contract for four more years you know we're not going to just trade you for you know, 75 cents on the dollar. That's not what we're going to do. If you want to sit, you can go ahead and sit, right? And, and you and your buddy Kyrie can sit and we, you know, we'll wait you out. Well, you're either going to play basketball or we're going to just, you know, run this with Ben Simmons and then maybe get a top five draft pick and then maybe trade you in the off season. So and I don't think Kevin Durant is willing to lose a year of basketball at, at this point in his career. He's, play, he's entering a year like 16 or 17. Like he, he, he doesn't have a lot of time left in this league right now. He needs to play all the basketball he can. So, you know, I, I think that the Nets are not going to be in a rush to trade him. They, you know, if they don't like the package, they shouldn't do it, nor should they. they I mean, they gave away their entire team. They fired a coach in Kenny Atkinson, who was a really good coach, to put this whole thing together. Why? So you guys can say you want to leave a couple of years later? That's bullshit. I, you know, they don't. If I'm the owner of the Nets and I'm worth, you know, $7 billion, I'm not going to let you tell me what to do or how to run my business. That's not, that's just not what we do. I'm especially not going to let some damn Kyrie Irving, you know, try and dictate, you know, everything around me, especially when I'm that successful. So it's, it might be a, a good old fashioned uh, Mexican standoff here. Um, and we'll see who blinks, but I don't, I don't think the Nets are going to blink anytime soon. And also this free agency seems indicative this season of, of just that. Like we're not seeing a lot of big names go anywhere. I mean, John Wall was a big name, but he left, left. And then you're just seeing guys either get paid or wait till the next season type of thing. So it, mm -hmm. it remains to be seen. We'll have to monitor that as the weeks go on. Uh, I wanted to bounce back to the NFL and get your thoughts on Baker who is now a Carolina Panther. We were just talking about that situation with the Browns. And I, I mean, what happens now if Deshaun Watson does get some sort of suspension? Browns seem pretty screwed uh, for a while there, at least. I don't know what kind of suspension would be there, even with the, the settlements uh, from these young ladies coming out here. But a lot of people are of the mindset where Panthers weren't world beaters, but they certainly had the potential to be a playoff team last year a fringe you know wild card team maybe a lot of people think now that baker mayfield is on the panthers that they certainly could be a playoff team if it's me i've seen the tape on baker and i've seen the talent that's been around him i've seen the bad baker that came out most of the time and and some of the good baker that looked like the oklahoma baker and looked like the nfl caliber talent he's very up and down and there's something to be said for a fresh start 
Uh, I think Carolina has some great wide receivers and some great skill position players around him to succeed. I mean, he's got to love um, going from one great backfield to the other with Christian McCaffrey if he can remain healthy. I know Robbie Anderson, it was funny, reporters asking him, he's like, I'm just standing up for my quarterback because now there's two former you know, top five overall picks in him and Sam Darnold. Uh, vying for the starting job it's not you know guaranteed that baker would be that guy but it's it, it's pretty damn sure you would think so what do you what do you make of the move with him going to the panthers yeah i like the move for carolina because you're you're kind of in a between a rock and a hard place you should have probably took justin fields last year you decided to take a cornerback instead fine okay now you kind of made your peace with that you gambled on the sam darnold situation uh, it blew up in your face. He's not your long-term answer. I think, you know, most of the league knew that before they made that trade. Um, now you bring Baker in. I actually think Baker is a solid quarterback. He's not great. It's not terrible, but he's solid when he's healthy. I think he wasn't healthy last year. I think he just got the shit kicked out of him most of the time. Um, and he had a, a ton of injuries. And I think because of that, he, you know, he just wasn't very good. Um, but now you have, you know, hopefully Christian McCaffrey is healthy. Hopefully, like you said, they still have Robbie Anderson. They still have DJ Moore. That's a good infrastructure of guys to, of, to be able to, to have around Baker, and he should be able to, to succeed. That division outside of Tampa Bay is not great. Right. So I think that, you know, it, it's kind of up for grabs there. I, I think that, you know, playing in, in a city like Carolina or out in Carolina um, is a little bit more low-key for him. I, I think he's in a good position. He's going to be playing for another contract. That's also a very important thing is – He's entering the last year of, of his rookie deal. Um, so he's playing for, for, for new money. That, that could motivate him. Um, you know, now, you know, it, to me, it's like what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because um, Carolina seems to be content with Drew Locke and um, um, whoever the, hell, the other guy is. I forget the other guy. It's going to come to me later on. Um, but, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing, let's say he gets more than eight games. Is that worth uh, the Browns, who really don't have any more draft picks, they traded everything for Deshaun Watson, but do they want to bring in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for, for a season or for half a season, or are they really going to roll with, uh, with Jacoby Brissett for, for, for a bunch of games when they, after they put all that money into, um, you know, even outside of Watson, getting guys like Amari Cooper and a lot of the other guys that they brought in on defense to really make a run out of this. So, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a name now to watch going forward. Is, is San Francisco going to keep him and just give the keys to Trey Lance, or are they going to bring Jimmy Garoppolo into training camp and let those two uh, battle it out? Uh, yeah, the NFC South, it's funny seeing Atlanta with Marcus Mariota, Carolina now having Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and then Jameis Winston in New Orleans, and now you got – uh, in Tampa Bay, of course, the GOAT, Tom Brady. But I'm, I'm interested to see, too, Yeah, with, with the note of Jimmy Garoppolo, he's kind of that last quarterback on the move, it would seem. Um, you know, you talked, you touched on Drew Locke and how Seattle, I guess, is, is stuck with him potentially now. But Garoppolo, I, I would think he would do everything he could to continue to play for a winning franchise in uh, the 49ers. But it's just, that's, that's tough. Uh, it's a tough call for him to make at this point. You know, who's who's staying and who I wanted to talk about in, in Green Bay, as we knew. Man, Aaron Rodgers is going through some things, just judging by he's been watching too much True Detective or something. Like, it's what the fuck is, did he get on his arm? Like, it is. <laughs> and, and I think someone tweeted, like, Kyrie, Ir you know, everything Kyrie Irving is talking about. I'm butchering the quote, but basically, oh. it looks like that on his arm. It's like two lions looking at each other. There's an eye. Uh, he's had some bad breakouts, breakups, excuse me, something like that. It is ridiculous. Is this a prank? It's 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 a very weird move, right? He's he's one step away from I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know. He, at this point, he just really doesn't belong. He he's like a fish out of water in Green Bay. It just he's like some weird conspiracy theorist, Illuminati, just kind of like whack job, right? Too crazy at this point. And I feel like you know he's gotten one foot. Um, out the door right now with football and, and you know he, he, football is, is is slowly going to the backburn it's tough to, to pass up all that money he's still very good at it but clearly the guy has other interests right now in in life other than uh playing football he really is turning into the Kyrie Irving of the NFL which is not where you want to be at in my opinion yeah <laughs> you don't want to be mentioned in the same breath uh as Aaron Rodgers for sure Aaron Rodgers as um 
as Kyrie Irving at that point. And shout out to the Raiders. They officially hired Sandra Douglas Moran as their new president. Oh. How about it? The NFL looking woke. Congratulations to her. Congrats. She is a um, UNLV uh, law school graduate. So obviously she comes with a, with a great background, a high pedigree. I love when, when organizations in, in sports in general just really think out the box and do smart things for, for their organization. It makes a lot of sense in the world if you hire somebody that's used to um, to, to running a, a, an organization and knows infrastructure, and knows how, you know the processes around human resources and how to talk to people and how to manage people, and then underneath them hire actual football people to do the football stuff, right? 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 Hire a general manager who strictly knows football and doesn't have to deal with all that stuff, and that's how you get away from having the disasters like the Mike Mayox of the world and the, definitely the John Gruden. John Gruden, world, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, and you know, I think Vegas is an especially touchy situation because it, you have to be careful. You know, it, it's very different from the aforementioned Green Bay, right? When a player, especially when he's 21, 22 years old, you know, yes, you can get in trouble anywhere, but it's a lot harder to get in trouble in Green Bay when there's not much to do, even on a, a Tuesday, Wednesday night or anything like that. Um, than it is in Las Vegas. And so in my opinion, I think it takes a certain um, kind of person to evaluate people and recognize that you do need, you know, a certain kind of player and coach to be able to handle what comes with uh, spending the majority of your year in Las Vegas. You and I have both been to Las Vegas a lot. And um, it's just exhausting, you know, with, with as much as goes on there and the temptations and stuff like that, just being there for 48 hours. And, and now factor in, uh, being young and rich and successful and good looking and, and having to live there. So it, it definitely takes a certain kind of personality to live in that city. And I think when you hire somebody like her, who is, is from the city, um, but brings a different background to things that you're doing, it, you're definitely doing it right. And they're looking for a change because last year was a disaster for them off the field. Right. The DUIs, the Henry Ruggs thing, the, the, the John Gruden thing is just a huge disaster. But they're super talented, man. They've got a roster, top to bottom, is one of my favorites in the league. I actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about predictions weeks from now, but I don't be surprised if they win that that very competitive AFC West. I think they can do it. Yeah, they absolutely could do it. And and Morgan seems like she's she's a badass lady. She was uh, the first first woman of color to and first person of color to chair the Nevada Gaming Control Board. Third woman, third black person to become president of an NFL team. I mean, it's it's impressive. She's just a badass lawyer, and she seems like she'll restore some order to that franchise that has a lot of potential. So kudos to her. That's exciting news. And progressive. Good for progressive, the league. Yes. That's what we need to see. Uh, are you hot on your White Sox right now? It's baseball season, Ross. And I feel like besides Tony Tony Larusa, if they remain healthy, they, they got a shot at the division. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, Eloy Jimenez coming back. They, they got some potential, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I mean, I, I'm waiting for them to go on a run every just drop two out of three to the, um, to the twins. They are now one and eight or, or two and eight, I believe, or two and nine, uh, in the division right now, or, or even against the, um, I think it's something like against the twins and the guardians, something like that. It's not good in the division. And, you know, that's where you have to be good at if you want to be successful because these are the teams that you're going to play the most. They're also well under 500 at home. They're actually got to start heating up at some point, and they've got to start clicking on all cylinders. It's I, I hate watching these games. And one night, it's like Dylan Cease is, is, is thrown for seven innings and has, like, shutout bears, just up and down team. So hopefully with the Tigers coming in town this weekend, it will be really nice if they can get a sweep and really come out of this above 500 and say, all right. Give me the cliff notes. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I, I'm up on the White Sox, though. I mean, more so than the Cubs at this point. Uh, you you were mentioning you cut out for a majority of that, but you mentioned the record at home. And, and it's, it, seriously, if you're getting it right after the All-Star break, there's something to be said for it. I think getting healthy is, is so huge, obviously. And if you can get past just the, the wide array of I don't know, shortcomings that La Russa has, then future's looking up for them. We, we know what this team did last year and what they could do this year as well. Yeah, they just have to be more consistent. They got to go on a run. You know, I, I hate the manager, but that's an ent entire other story. But at some point, the players, 
have to look themselves in the mirror and say, we've got to play better and we've got to be more consistent as baseball players as well. All right, Ross. There's a lot been going on. Uh, first of all, I was busy enjoying the weather and drinking and carrying on while Joey Chestnut went nuts eating 63 hot dogs, winning his 15th, what do they call it, the mustard trophy, something like that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also putting a protester in a chokehold while eating a hot dog. That was weird. Uh, what an what an impressive specimen. First of all, where's he where's he rank on the all time athletes? And second of all, how many hot dogs can you eat in five minutes? Oh my goodness! Uh, first time, I don't think Joey Chestnut is an athlete. I'm sorry, I, I can't I, I can't subscribe <gasps> yes. to this whole eating eating hot dogs thing makes you an athlete. <laughs> I, I I find the whole thing just disgusting and grotesque. Um, it, there, obviously, there's nothing more American than just shoveling just just trans fat and 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 cased food down your throat for for 45 minutes or however long they do this for um how many hot dogs can i eat that is a good question i could probably get in the area because they use the bun too but i i couldn't eat it like they eat it they, eat, they wet the bun. hot dog bun and wet bun. oh that's disgusting it's foul so i would say i can go a solid so you're going dry bun going dry bun <laughs> Um, just hot dog in the bun and put some mustard on it. I don't need anything else because that's just gonna fill me up. Even putting more. condiments and, on it, <laughs> and I can say I will go five hot dogs, five in five minutes. Yes. Yeah. Any any more, and you, and you're looking to take off thirty years of your life, right? How many <laughs> years is he taking off? Good God. His his colon and his insides just have to look like just absolutely bad shape. shape. Just full of it's just lined with Nathan's now. It's it's not oh. a normal stomach. Oh, well, he all. like probably doesn't like shit for like six days afterwards. I wouldn't think so. No, uh, but the way they train is certainly much like an athlete. Um, we, we gotta say our our RIPs to James Kahn. Very upsetting news today. Dead at eighty two. And just a fantastic career. It's different than Ray Liotta. It sucks to lose them both in one year. Ray Liotta, super young, and had that sort of fishy death and, and gone too soon type of thing. James Conn lived a really good life. 82 is still, I don't know, it's 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 about his time, whatever. But but what a career for him. I, I You know, we, we think about his big roles, and there was Sonny Corleone, and playing Brian Piccolo going back to the Bears, just one of the one of the best roles, like a, a true tearjerker, uh, just and Paul Sheldon in Misery, one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. That's an mm -hmm. outstanding one. And then he was Buddy's dad and Elf, like just had a a fantastic career. There's been an outpouring of love, of course, you know, from everyone from Michael Mann to Kathy Bates, just talking about his effect on the industry, and and of course Francis Ford Coppola remembering Jimmy Kahn. Like it's just great. His son is, is in Hollywood now too, but he's had some hot he's played hotheads and roughnecks I, I read some interview uh of him in, in playboy magazine i think where he's just shit talking the journalist as he's doing the interview like just a great fiery personality and and such an awesome uh character actor it just it, it really a fantastic career to hang his hat on and quite the journey he was awesome. He, he had so many great movies to me. I put on Twitter earlier about Rollerball. I've never seen Rollerball before. It's an awesome movie. It's very much so a, uh, a microcosm of, of where uh, sports and, and capitalism is at today. Um, Thief is one of my favorite movies. It's, uh, it's an early, early Michael Mann. It kind of set the stage for when Michael Mann eventually comes out with like Heat and, and Collateral and all the other great Michael Mann movies that he's done before. Um, you know, like you, you hit it on the head. He, you know, even, you know, he was an elf. Um, he did like, even like Las Vegas, the TV show for a long time. The guy was just constantly yeah. working all the way up until the end. Misery is an absolutely uh, phenomenal movie. It's probably my second favorite Stephen King movie of all time. Um, so, you know, he was just a terrific, terrific actor. Um, he, he just, you know, we're going to, you know, pivot to quintessential IP theater uh, in a minute. Um, <laughs> But what I love about those actors like him is they didn't succumb to those IP franchises. He was able to have a big, successful career. I mean, his, his only IP franchise was The Godfather, right? right. Like, like, you know, and he was murdered. Spoiler alert. If you've never seen The Godfather, he, he dies. Um, you know, he was in murdered. In style. <laughs> yes, in style. One of the great kills in movie history. He was murdered, you know, pretty early on in, you know, in the trilogy. 
Um, so you know, you just feel like you know. I, I was thinking earlier. I was like, who who would he be? Like, is he like a Robert Downey Jr.? Is he a Christian Bale? Is he something like that? And then you look at both those actors I just named, and I, as much as I love what they've done with superheroes, I feel like both of them have been robbed of their prime years because all they did was play superhero characters. It's true. Right? You know, Christian Bale at the peak of his career was Batman. And we lost, not lost, but, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man for 10 years. And what else could he have done non-IP related for 10 years? And then, lo and behold, full circle, we're going to talk about Thor in a minute. Who's the villain in Thor this weekend? It's Christian Christian Bale. Bale. You know, so I, I, I just appreciate these old actors and these guys who did original films um, and, and took on original roles and, and still were able to be iconic. It's awesome. I'm watching um, The Old Man right now on, on FX. Oh, yeah, you're loving it. Oh, my God. I am all in on The Old Man. And Jeff Bridges is another one, right? Jeff Bridges is 72 years old, and he has an Oscar on his shelf, and he's been in The Big Lebowski, and he's played all these iconic roles, and now he's on... In, in a unique non-IP TV show where he very could have been in, in Star Wars, like Ewan McGregor or something like that. And I just right. love when those guys do that shit, man. I love it. And I'm always going to appreciate those actors a whole lot more that they didn't succumb to the IP nonsense. You just get more freedom that way. It, it, it's as you mentioned, Robert Downey Jr.'s life was run by Marvel for you know, 10 years and probably had to pass on so many projects. He'd sprinkled in like a Sherlock Holmes here and there, but you miss out on a lot of roles. And that's a reinvention. Robert Downey Jr. had been around for some time and he wanted to get paid and, and, and get some more uh, clout behind his name, I feel like to an extent. But yeah, it's, it's James Conn is, is one of those of a dying breed. Right. And now, you know, you talked about Jeff Bridges, who is just fucking incredible. He overcame, you know, COVID really knocking him out. And had a bout with cancer. I was just reading about, and he was at death's door basically. But you know, I feel like the big guy just said it wasn't his time and his resilience. And now he's in this this really heralded show that you were talking about, the old man. Just kudos to him there. He's still kicking Absolutely. at this point. If you if you haven't watched the old man, please watch it. It's on FX right now. The first four episodes are out. Um, episode five will be tomorrow. It also has John Lithgow in it, who is completely awesome. You know John Lithgow from sure. Uh, you know from uh, what's the show? Thirty Rock, uh, 30, Thirty Third Rock from something. the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun. Thank you. It was also the dad and Dexter. Um, John Lithgow is just an absolutely extraordinary actor as well. The two of them are just going ninety-eight miles an hour throughout the whole show. I'm all in on it. Yeah, John Lithgow is another one who's fantastic. All right, we're wrapping up the podcast in honor of Thor, Love and Thunder. We're talking about our top five Marvel movies. Ooh, shout out to Natalie Portman and her guns, man. She's getting jacked for her Lady Thor role. So the top five, and man, the, the ones that didn't mes- make the list, it is it is a long one. I It's tough, and I, I think that Captain America had some great ones in there. Uh, you think about shang chi that was a great one most recently there's something to be said about the uh, doctor strange franchise too and how they're going right now guardians of the galaxy didn't quite make it to the top five for me black panther didn't make it to the top five uh but yeah it's it's a tough call right it was a tough car um thor ragnarok to me was awesome it's not in my uh top five i also appreciate um you know spider-man homecoming I like how they put the they kind of you know put a, a younger twist on it, back taking it back to the kids. Um, we talked about Donnie Downey a minute ago, but where would all these movies be if he doesn't put Iron Man on his back and do Iron Man one and two, which I think are really good. Three is a little sketchy, um, but you know those first two films are really cool. I even enjoy um, the the first Ant Man movie a lot. I think that's a super oh, yeah. underrated Marvel movie. I think Paul Rudd is very funny in that movie um, as well, but. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, this has been a, a, a run now for um, for over two decades. Kevin Feige at the helm of, of Marvel Studios. They're they're cranking out TV shows now. Um, they're you know they're, they're, they're two main stars in Chris Evans and Downey Jr. have, have left uh, to go on to, to other things, and they're trying they're they're kind of putting it in the hands now of um, of a Doctor Stephen Strange and Thor as the two guys that kind of take the mantle 
from those past two guys and bring it into the next level. I, I think eventually we'll, we'll get to outer space uh, with this franchise and we'll see guys like Dr. Doom um, and, and Kane the Conqueror who was teased in the, in the Loki show, spoiler alert again. Um, you know, those are going to be your next really big villains to, to pop up since uh, we've lost um, um, uh, Thanos. Um, and we also get a new Black Panther film coming out very soon as well. Yeah, you certainly do. And starting out with the top five, talking about that Thor franchise, and now they're, they're kind of coupled with the Guardians of the Galaxy. But number five for me is Thor Ragnarok. I think Taika Waititi is such a good director, and, and the action was, was well put together. The way they, these melding storylines is really enjoyable for me. Um, you know, you can take all the CGI for a grain of salt, but there was a touch of humor in Thor Ragnarok. I think it was, who was it, Kate Blanchett as the, as the mm-hmm. villain when she was a badass lady for sure. And uh, there's just a lot of humor. Taika Waititi's so good at that and, and pacing the action. You have a good soundtrack to go with it. You put Thorman Zeppelin in there. I'm going to go nuts for that. That is number five for me. Nice. I love that movie as well. Um, it's one of, it's, you know, to me, the first two Thor movies were not very fun to me. I think they were kind of sloggy and just kind of like way too over the top and just way too serious for their own good. Yeah. And so when you bring a guy like Taika Waititi in there who throws in a lot more color, wants to have some more fun with things. Remember, he's the one, he's the guy that also does Jojo Rabbit. Um, he's got a, a Star Wars movie coming out real soon. Um, that all of a sudden kind of put me just all in for me on, on, on the Thor franchise and made Thor to be a lot more uh, likable, lovable figure to me. So good choice. There you go. What's number five for you? Number five for me is Black Panther. Black Panther to me is just a, a cultural revolution. I, um, 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 Ryan Coogler is one of my favorite young directors that we have right now. I always tell people if I was buying stock in directors, it definitely would be Coogler and, and Jordan Peele. I will go watch anything that those two guys make probably for the next 10 to 15 years. And so um, what he was able to accomplish with that movie, I, it was just such a huge cultural phenomenon. It was great as to, to see a, 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 a black superhero on the screen and see that entire beautiful black cast. We got Angela Bassett in the movie and Forrest Whitaker is in the movie as well, right? And, and you know, Michael B. Jordan was, was, um, was good to me as, um, as, as Killmonger, the villain. Very Such good. a fun movie. The soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks we've ever heard in the last 10 years from movies uh, curated by Top Dog and, and Kendrick Lamar. It just it, it flows so great throughout the whole film. Um, I love the colors. I love the stories, the stories. I love the Sterling K. Brown stuff in the movie as well, who's a super underrated actor too. Um, I just love Black Panther. I, I watch it uh, every now and then. My son loves it. It's probably one of the few uh, Marvel movies. He's only five now. It's one of the few Marvel movies that he can actually like really, really get all the way through. I think it's because of the colors and the representation. So it's definitely number five for me. I love it so much. It's a good one. God, that soundtrack just fucking goes hard, too. That's a great one. Number four for me is the original, the one that started it all off, the Iron Man, the first Iron Man, that is. And that was the introduction to Robert Downey and and how I couldn't picture anybody else to to play Iron Man uh, as as well as Robert Downey Jr. did. And talking about Jeff Bridges comes back full, full circle, man. He was such a good villain in that movie. Um, it, it really just set the bar for the franchise, like the, the whole Marvel cinematic experience and Downey, you know, dominating that character for 10 years going into the Avengers and going into several Iron Man movies. Uh, that's number four for me. Nice. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, I remember the first time seeing that, seeing that in the theater, I was like, they're really making a superhero movie about Iron Man. Like, does anybody really care about Iron Man? And then they, they, they went with it. And obviously Downey was, was so spectacular and it just kicks off a, a, a run that I don't think anybody saw them being able to keep going with even to this day as we have another, uh, you know, movie coming out. So you know, definitely the, the OG, like you said, the one that started it off, shout out to Iron Man. I rewatched it as well not too long ago, still holds up. He's awesome as well. I love him, the, him, the dynamic between him and Gwyneth Paltrow in the movie as well. Yeah, that's Pepper. Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts and Jarvis as his own character, right? That's right. That's right. So what's number four for you? Number four for me, to me, it's, it's like kind of when things started getting really, really fun 
and also really serious. Like the stakes were really high for all these characters. Um, and that was Captain America Civil War. That's a good um, one. And that felt like a it was a Captain America movie, but that was an Avengers movie. You saw everybody in that movie. That also is the first time that we saw Black Panther uh, on the screen. Um, it starts off with that huge explosion, right? It, that kills um, 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 Black Panther's father at the beginning of the movie. Um, and it just goes on to this epic run. You see everybody. You get some Spider-Man in that movie as well. So we're introduced to Tom Holland in that film. Yeah. We're introduced to Ant-Man in that film. It just, it was a true, true Avengers film for me. It was such a fun movie. But then at the end of it, I just loved the dynamic of, you know, who's right and who's wrong. Is Tony right? Is, is Steve Rogers right? That fight at the end between the two of them is awesome. That reveal that the, the Winter Soldier was the one that killed uh, Tony's father, right? And, and that whole dynamic is, is really, really cool. Yeah. And, and you just, you walked out of that movie saying, like, oh shit, this isn't just some like superhero kind of like now things are kicking up a little bit and we've got some real drama and storyline behind these movies. And I think it sets up um, what has become, you know, from there, the, the best run that these movies have had. And I think it started with Civil War. Yeah, it, it got less campy as it went along, right? It got more serious going from there into Avengers and, and crossing franchises like that. It gets to, it takes a dark turn and brings up that like moral dilemma with, with the, uh, Captain America crew versus Iron Man's crew. It was it was cool. It was exactly Avengers before that. Number mm-hmm. three for me is the most recent installment of Spider-Man, No Way Home. And man, they they brought it. I, I enjoyed the all the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. Um they're they're all great, like well cast, you got Zendaya in there, the guy who plays Ned is hilarious. You have Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, of course, is great. And good villains, for the most part. You know, the one with, what was that, Jake Gyllenhaal was pretty good, and then they had Michael Keaton. But this most recent one, I think, brought it. And when you bring in the multi- multiverse, it's it's hard to obviously follow a lot of that, and I feel like that's where people were lost with the most recent Doctor Strange. But it was really well executed, I thought, with this last Spider-Man uh, bringing the other two Spider-Man uh, and Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, if that is, Toby, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield bringing them in too. And it was a good plot line and bringing back those old villains too was awesome. Willem Dafoe, among others. Uh, it, it was really well done. It didn't feel as just reliant on CGI. There was some pretty good plot in there too. That was a, the best Spider-Man for me. It's number three on my list. It's, it was an awesome movie, awesome movie. They did such a great job with it. I love how they blended in the Sony characters with the the Marvel Studio, you know, Spider-Man characters, and they, they kind of really, uh, really jumped into the to the whole multiverse thing, full fledged. That kind of you know, comes to a culmination with uh, the latest Doctor Strange movie. They'll keep going with the multiverse stuff, but right. I think that was the best representation, the best way they can do it without just confusing the hell out of everybody as well. What is number three for you, sir? Number three for me. Can I cheat a little bit? I, I suppose that's allowed. This is open book. <laughs> there you go. The number three for me is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There you go. Um, I, I kind of figured this film. was going to... Yeah, there you go, Ross. I like it. <laughs> this is an animated film. This is Miles Morales. I, I got to tell you, I was this is probably the most skeptical I've ever been of a movie before. And sitting down with it and watching it, I wanted to watch it three times in a row after I saw it. It is just absolutely amazing. It holds up. Again, great music, great representation. I feel like it's what Spider-Man would be like if it was a real-life situation. He's wearing the Jordans in the movie. Uh, it's just absolutely awesome. And we, we go through the, the Spider-Verse stuff again. We've got the old fat uh, Spider-Man. We've got Spider-Pig and the black and white Spider-Man and, and Gwen, the, the Spider-Girl. It's just such an awesome, fun movie. Um, it was my, it was Bradley's favorite movie for like two months straight, which for like a three-year-old is pretty amazing, um, which is a testament to how good it is. So I know it's not in the, in the, on the same lines of the, of the Marvel canon. Um, and I, I, I really wanted to put one of the Avengers films right here, but I was like, I, I wouldn't be doing this movie justice if I didn't have this somewhere in there. And I, and I still hold out hope that one day we will see Miles Morales cross paths uh, in a real life action version to, uh, movie with the uh, Peter Parker as well with Spider Man, that'd be really cool if we could see somebody play Miles Morales and, and cross paths with Tom Holland. 
There you go. No, I like going off the beaten path for that one, Ross. That was a good call, including them in the top five. Number two for me is the original Avengers, where everybody's getting together. The Hulk and Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, they're all fighting against Loki. This is when Loki's big coming out party, and and we're briefly introduced to Thanos and that, but him opening the portal and, and all those those flying like whales and shit. It was pretty epic, uh, you know, going across New York City fighting. This was one of those where you knew seeing this franchise, you had to see this in theaters. I don't see a lot of 3D movies too, but this was like stunning in 3D. It was well done. Um, eerie, like when they were going out to the space scenes were well shot. Uh, again, like the pacing was so well done. How it all comes to the climax uh, with all these... Uh, Avengers again fighting to save planet Earth. It was pretty incredible. And you see, like, you know, briefly thinking that Iron Man might be done, but but he saves the planet. It was it, it was really well done and set up, again, that, that next chapter of the franchise and set up that Thanos character really well. Absolutely. It was probably the first time that you can, like, see um, all those big budget actors and stuff like that just get on the screen and you have all that airtime shared together, and they kind of just flowed into each other. So, awesome movie as well. I completely agree. Um, I think that was uh, that was Josh Sweden movie. Joe, the Russo brothers didn't take over yet yep. until the, the, the Captain movie, uh, Captain America movie is coming up. But um, my next movie on my list, I do have an Avengers movie as my number two. Um, it's not Endgame. It is Infinity War. I think out of the two movies, the first one to me uh, is the most rewatchable. Is the most fun. Um, is the most captivating. Captivating again. I like those movies where they've got a little bit of a conflict, and, and they don't they don't necessarily end with um, with with all the feels and, and all of the um, you know all the good stuff that you want. I think it's absolutely awesome. Um, I love the performances in the movie. I love kind of like Thanos to me is is a top five you know obviously uh, superhero villain of all time, and I just love how his his you know following his trek to get the stones. And how they're trying to stop him, but also just trying to get the band back together. I love a good band back together movie. Um, and so I love that movie so much. And it just, you know, I remember at the end of it, everybody was in complete and utter silence in the movie theater. And Jaws just dropped and was like, fuck, we got to wait like another two years to see how this thing ends, right? It was just one of the biggest cliffhangers uh, of our lifetime in a movie. Yeah, for me too. That um, that's a good choice, Ross. And and number one for me is Infinity War for for that reason, amongst others, and that introduction of that Thanos character. And it almost felt like cheapening him in, in Endgame, like the way it had to to end for him after a point. But but that was, you know, also you know the way that these villains are set up in, in the Marvel universe. You talk about Killmonger, you talk about Thanos, and and Gore the God Butcher will probably be. A great one uh, in that upper echelon too, but you kind of see their points in some some cases like this, where Thanos is like, "Well, half the population population control. Here we go. Like half the half the universe is just gone like that." It's uh, I'm not saying I side with him, but that was such an interesting plot turn. Um, and seeing honestly a situation where it's it's rare you do see it, where there's a lot of cop outs, like an Endgame, like Captain Marvel wasn't even used, like. She should have been. Uh, it just seems like this was that first time where the Avengers and, and company had met their match. And again, like taking it up to a darker level when you're losing Loki and and uh, just a lot of like major characters. You see Black Panther disappear. You see them, you know, theoretically be written off there and, and dissolve. That was, it's like you said, Ross, that was one of the more powerful moving, move, moments in the you know Marvel uh, franchises of the movies was when he snapped his fingers, and that's just iconic now for um, for that franchise and and that right into that Thanos character and and how well that one is, is structured. It's it's pretty pretty great. That's number one for me. Absolutely, I love it. Absolutely, uh, my number one to me is a movie that I don't think that people go back and watch enough. I think um, from top to bottom. It's um, it's probably the best cinematic experience um, of all of the movies. Um, it, 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 I think it's shot the best. I think that it's um, the best acted. I think it, it, it's got some, you know, it's got like Robert Redford, you know, appearing and stuff like that. It, it's Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, the Winter Soldier is just like, 
oh my god, such a great movie, such a such a great sophomore uh, movie to to the whole Captain America franchise. I like the first Captain America a lot, um, but just introducing Bucky Barnes, um, we've seen him before in the first one, but introducing him in that dynamic as the Winter Soldier, as a guy who is equally um, as powerful as Captain America, but it's just completely being uh, seduced and manipulated, and the acting is awesome. We see, we see the scene that where he does kill the, you know Tony Stark's parents uh, and stuff like that. I just love that movie so much. That's also the first time that the Russo brothers uh, came on board and really just took the helm out of all of those big movies. And you can see it. I, I implore people, go back and watch uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. It just really is a great cinematic experience from top and bottom. It's an awesome, awesome movie. I love it so much. I'm going to have to watch all of these, man. And it uh, starts with Love and Thunder, which I'll be checking out tomorrow. And I'm excited nice. to, I'm excited to see what Taika Waititi does with this one and, and bringing Natalie Portman back into the fold. And Christian Bale, that's a good yeah. get, man. That's a great get. It's one of my guys, my favorite acts of all time. I'll be seeing it on Saturday, so we'll have to come back next week and compare notes. I hear he was very method for Gore the God Butcher. He stayed a he's, character throughout. He's very method for everything, which is, <laughs> he really is. you gotta love and hate the guy, but he is very serious to his crap. You can definitely appreciate that. Yeah, no question. That's our show. We've run out of time. Thanks to everybody for listening in. Remember, if you missed any of our previous live episodes of the Mac and Reed show. You can check them out on YouTube and follow the Barroom Network on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. And as usual, uh, in the wake of the Highland Park shooting and everything else that's happening out here, just, to, you know, we, we missed out on that because we don't want to bring you down, but take care of uh, your, your fellow man and woman and, and be good to each other out there, people. Absolutely, please do. Take care. So long.